Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is one of my favorite things about having Matthew Collar on our staff here the last couple years. So he is not a Minnesotan. He's been here for two years. He comes from Buffalo where there's a lot of football heartbreak. But when you get to dig into some of the Vikings history and you start to peel back some of the layers, like you were telling us before the, sh- uh, the segment here, that you uh, watched, was it on NFL Network or on, on YouTube somewhere, a 2003 Vikings season recap? Yes. And like having uh, Collar sit here like, man, can you believe this? And it's like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a season. Lived right through it, yeah. huh? Yeah. What I end up doing is like late at night, I'll just end up like digging through YouTube and seeing what I can run across with football. So last night I watched that and then Ricky Williams' A Football Life, which was incredibly interesting. And just from Williams going from the Texas star to the draft and then being known as the pot guy and how he actually came to deal with that and have a pretty good career after the whole pot thing. And that was super fascinating. And then I ran across that. One of my friends sent me the 2003. I knew about the Josh McCown ending. Still NFL quarterback Josh McCown in 2003, but I didn't realize that they started 6-0 and that season and looked like the team to beat, and it was basically a replay of what happened in 2016. Dude, it was, yeah. they were unstoppable for like the first two months of the season. If I'm not mistaken, that was the year they, they won the first six. I believe their first loss was, the, was at the Metrodome against the Giants, and that's the one where inexplicably McCombs went in the locker room and tore the team apart. Hmm. So, they're, so they're sitting there at 6-1, and one. you're thinking, okay, that's fine. And and McCombs went absolutely ballistic. And the whole story after that, that loss was, oh, my God, they finally lost a game. And no, nobody said, oh, nice job getting off to a 6-0 start. Mm-hmm. The owner went in the locker room and decimated the team for it. And like and that was, I, I remember I was, I think the Packers, who I, were covering, I was covering in 03, were on a bye that weekend. And so I was home, and I was going back to Green Bay that Monday, and I picked up the paper. And you're like, oh, this doesn't seem right. Like, why would the owner get really, really upset about being 6-1? and one? I don't care how bad you played in the one loss. Very much like in 2016 with Mike Zimmer. Game. Right, the Philly yeah. game where we all went, ah, you know, tough road loss, yep. didn't play how you expected, and then Zimmer tore them apart. What did he say that they didn't? Soft. Uh, called tro- them soft. Oh, yeah, soft, yeah. right. And so called him S-A-W-F-T soft. <laughs> You do not use that word in the National Football League. And you definitely knew at that point, like, okay, right. there's there's more wrong here. And then they fell apart from there. And it made me think a lot about how throughout this team's history, post-Fran Tarkenton for Super Bowls, they've had quite a few years that they've gone into thinking, 
hey, we could be a legitimate Super Bowl contender in almost every single time. No, every single time. Every single time. Yeah, right, because they haven't made it. Yeah. Every single time it ends up blowing up in their face. Yes, well, let's go, let's, let's go, let's go back 30 years. The Herschel Walker trade. All right, this is it. Expectations, yeah. Yeah. baby. And a running back. And they weren't a disaster in those next two years or whatever, th- two and a half years, but they just they were eight and eight. They might have gone 10 and six one year, and it just it didn't work out. Uh, and then you had the expectations... Probably more ninety eight into ninety nine because yes. the expectations going into ninety eight were it was it's like they're, they're going to be good but no one knew how good they were going to be but okay this isn't going to happen again ninety nine is our year mm-hmm. and by what we, what week was it week four and all of a sudden Cunningham turns into a pumpkin and uh, he has and they, to be benched and they scored like on average ten fewer points per game the next year compared to ninety eight and then two or three other instances in the two thousands where it's happened including. Maybe this year. Well, 2010, too. I Huge. mean, you, you come off yeah, of yeah. you're a couple of plays away or a field goal away from going to the Super Bowl, and you think, okay, well, Favre can still play. We're coming back. It's most of the same roster. We're ready to go. And then that all falls off the side of the table, and everything goes wrong with Favre, and he gets hurt, and there's pictures that come out that he sent to someone. And it's just everything went wrong, right? And the roof collapsed, 2010, Yes, right? yeah. by the end it collapsed Very in symbolic. December. In, in, two, in 2010, we also, we thought, mistakenly, everyone's back. When Favre agreed to come back, every starter was back. And, and the feeling was, well, I mean, this was a Super Bowl team or close to it mm-hmm. in 2009. What we didn't realize or didn't sit down to think about before we got excited is it was an aging roster. Mm-hmm. And so everybody being brought back was not a great idea. But there were things in that training camp, too. When Sidney Rice showed up, uh, he had gotten injured against the Saints. And I think he essentially told the Vikings, I will have surgery done if you extend my contract. And the Vikings said, no way. And so Sidney showed up at training love, camp like, and I said... I love holding that against the team. And like, said, I can't play. And so they put him on the the, the pup list. And that sort of triggered, Collar, uh, uh, thing, things starting to go wrong. If we had paid attention to the tea leaves in 2010, we would have seen pretty early on that this might not go exactly like we thought it would. So then 2016, too. I mean, you go yep. into that season before Teddy's knee blows up, but even after they beat the Packers, it was like, okay, I mean, look at this defense. They just held down Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and then they get to 5-0, and and the Texan game was crazy. I mean, it was, that was a Texans team that was supposed to be halfway decent, and they just run them out of the building. So you're thinking at that point that it's still on. This should still be the favorite for the Super Bowl, and then – they completely fall off the side of the table. So I was thinking about this while watching the 2003 recap. And uh, did you guys know Randy Moss was good? Man, a lot of highlights could, from him. He could know. catch the ball, right? Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, he was a wide receiver. Okay, that doesn't feel like you, yeah. a wasted era at all of Vikings football. I don't don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. uh, but so I got thinking about like this year. And I feel myself becoming more Minnesotan as I go along by the day. Like I had trouble merging today and I was Zipper merge, man. kayaking the other day. And I think we're going to go spend a weekend in Duluth. Passive so like, aggressive wow. yet? Yeah. Um, Get no, passive aggressive. No, I don't think I can. Well, I then you're not I don't think I can master did it. You, did you think about using your horn, but then like you didn't want to irritate anyone? So you chose not to use your horn or sort of tapped never, it lightly? Never a horn guy. Never, Even in New York, yep, never a horn guy in New York. Wow, no. I mean, you'd have I feel to, like that's a missed opportunity by you. Probably right. Now I'm kind of like, ah, oh, I wish I'd used it more to be a jerk. I always thought that was a jerky move, even in New York. <laughs> I feel like in New York, in, at least in New York City, in the handful of times I've been there, 
they start honking before the light turns green, sure just to let you yeah. know, yep. hey, the light's about to turn green, so yep. let's be and snappy here. Boston is even worse with that. But you know what I am getting better at is picking up when other people are being passive-aggressive. I feel like for the first six months here, I was like, passive-aggressive? I don't even notice it. And they're like, oh, now I'm starting to see it. Yeah. So the other day, I was going into a Twins game, and I had the ticket on the phone, so they got to like ring it up or whatever. Yeah. And the kid's like trying to ring it up, and he's like pulling it back, putting it closer, and he's moving it all around. It's not <laughs> it's ringing a, up. It's always a gamble. So I'm just like, okay, let's see how this goes. Eventually, he gets it, and I was like, oh, we made it, man. Congratulations. Great job. And he goes, uh, yeah, I think it's because uh, your phone's a little dirty. I was like, oh, yeah, it probably oh, is. Nice. And then I walked away. I was like, oh. wait a minute. Yep. That was that thing that they he do. actually. You know what? You know that <laughs> you was hold a grudge. But, so, but that was a, that was a little more pointed than it could have been. I feel like yeah. the Minnesota comment from him, if it was truly Minnesotan, would have been, "Yeah, this thing usually works better on cleaner phones." Okay. Yeah. Well, he was young to so imply like that like your phone isn't clean. Yeah. Yeah. That you're right. It was a little. It had to be almost direct, closer to direct for me to get it. Because if he had said that, I would have been like, "Ah, oh, good advice. I'll clean it off, buddy. See ya." And then, like, oh, oh, he was, he was like slamming me. I didn't even know. At least he didn't say, man, your face is so oily. You shouldn't put this phone next to it. It makes it just filthy. That's a New York comment right there. <laughs> yeah, New York, New York would have been like, yeah, maybe clean your phone next time. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, we're fine. Yeah. So, anyway, the whole point of this is that because I am becoming more Minnesotan as I go along, I started to think about all the things that could potentially go wrong for this team. Like, if history is going to repeat itself like it happened in 99, 09, and then potentially now where you have Super Bowl aspirations, what could actually go wrong? Because this roster is so stacked. It's not aging like 2010. Right. May it's I say a bunch th- of guys in their prime. This may seem like sort of a defeatist thing to bring up right now out of the blue in the middle of summer. But I, but it, in Minnesota, it's just our natural state, the way we yeah. think about all teams. Like there's, it's just an underlying thought of, oh my God, what's going to be the worst case scenario? I think people are as excited as they are. They're also super nervous about this because this really does appear to be the real deal. When you go from position to position and the head coach is coming off a year where he went 13 and three with Case Keenum as his starting quarterback, number one defense, it's very hard to poke holes in this. But what I came up with, if you're interested, was, I mean, first of all, the offensive line. If Riley Reef, who was dinged up a little bit last year, say he gets hurt, mm-hmm. or if Rashad Hill isn't able to handle right tackle playing 16 games there, he only played a handful last year and there was some ups and downs. If the depth on the defense isn't there, I don't think it is. I mean, when I look from position to position, it's like if you lose one guy, if you lose Linval Joseph, who the hell is playing nose tackle? And you Off have the- to assume that it's... It would be an amazing upset if you did make it through the whole year without like three key injuries taking yeah, place. Yeah, that's what line, you're right, year. though, because what, what's what's going to happen is they're going to have a lineman go down. The pressure is going to get dialed up on Cousins. Cousins' history shows that that unlike Keenum, he can't necessarily improvise as mm-hmm. well. And you're going to have that game take your pick in Chicago, where yeah. he throws three just dreadful passes. And and the other the other thing that's trending very poorly from my point of view is the Vikings have gone from, hey, 2017 was a really nice, to a bit of a surprise, certainly with Bradford going down. Now look at the pressure on this team. Yeah, The Twins yeah. are god-awful, which we didn't expect. 
The Wolves are maddening, and they're not bad, but they're, they're certainly no threat in the NBA. The Wild won't trade anyone. And the Wild won't make trades. So, so, <laughs> so the Wild is still, in my opinion, very much stuck. And so now it's like, okay, can't wait for training camp. That's always a dangerous thing to say. Yeah, and you know the point about Cousins is really interesting, too, because there's still this thing that lingers with him that he hasn't won anything. And I started thinking about this. As far as if you were just dialing up the calamity meter to 11... I think we've just assumed that John Filippo is a good offensive coordinator. We've just made that decision. Like, oh, he's got a lot to work with, and Delvin Cook's good, and the receivers are good, and he's got a good quarterback and now. Philadelphia so beat like, the Vikings badly. Right, exactly, even though he You're was right. just the quarterback coach. Yep. And so I thought of something last night that he said where Filippo was talking about Cleveland and how they didn't have any weapons to work with, and now it's great that they do. And it sort of jogged in my mind, like, oh, wait, yeah. Like, Pat Shermer was an OG. Like, this guy's been around a long time, and he comes from, in some way, the Bill Walsh coaching tree. And, like, he's a yeah. kind of a West Coast offense legend. And he went full legend last year getting that out of uh, Case Keenum. So he's kind of like this brilliant guy. Filippo has never really offensive coordinated before, aside from one year in Cleveland. For sure. Like, we're, we're putting, how is this going to go? We're putting... I think we're putting, you know, 100% faith into him just based on resume and and he was a name that was bandied about and the Vikings got him but but that doesn't mean there's a 100% chance that he's going to be the same coordinator right. that you're right. And he's very impressive to talk with. And you watch his uh, breakdowns of film on the Philadelphia Eagles website, and yep. you're like, "Wow!" I mean, this guy. I love how you say really that. Like talking all people do that. Yeah, I mean, everyone like, like, has when, watched like, these. Yeah, clearly. Well, my dog does. Yeah, she Guys, loves it. I mean, I at midnight last night, while everyone's out like drinking and shooting off fireworks and scaring my dog, thank you. I was sound asleep. Um, Don't blame me. I was watching Ricky Williams of Football Life. So, like, yeah, it's kind of what I do. The, but, um, but if you sorry. watch those, if you watch those, they're really impressive to watch him talk football and break down film. But we don't know him as a play caller, though. Like, that's where Pat Shermer was just money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it, especially when they would get in the red zone. It was like they were unstoppable in the red zone with Shermer. He was so creative and it always seemed like he found some way to throw the other team off and how many wide open touchdowns did Case Keenum throw last year and uh, even going back to when Shermer took over in 2016 how creative he could be remember he ran a jet sweep to Rhett Ellison for yeah. a key touchdown sure yeah I mean great year so there was I really came away from Shermer with a ton of respect for him, not only as a as a as scheming against the other team, but then in big situations and under pressure calling the plays. And we really don't know how Filippo is going to take one thing to the next. I mean, you could scheme all day long, but if you're not a great play caller, then your team could get in trouble. Could so you that's you have gra- you I'm have graduated to you have graduated to Minnesotan well, status in these last fifteen minutes. And here's, I'm very proud of you. And here here's the real question to me. Then how about we do that when we come back? Okay, because there's one more thing that could go terribly wrong, and I think it could go wrong really quickly. <laughs> Let's talk about TCL TVs for just a second here. When when we watch sports, even if it's highlights of Vikings doom and gloom from years past, we watch sports on a TCL TV in this very studio. In fact, TCL is stepping up their game here. Today and tomorrow, in preparation for Cut the Cord Day on Saturday, TCL is giving away 103 TVs for Cut the Cord Day. You heard that right. 103 TCL TVs. This is America's fastest-growing TV brand. 
and it's taken the world by storm with their P-series, with 4K picture quality, with 400,000-plus TV show episodes and movies with that built-in Roku device. Cut the Cord Day is this upcoming Saturday, July 7th, and TCL is celebrating with this huge giveaway. On average, American households spend $103 a month on cable. So in support of Cut the Cord Day, 103 cord-cutting bundles, including a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV and a Mohu Blade HD TV antenna. TCLUSA.com to enter. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. Come on. Football. 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 Football, yeah. Football. Football. Collar's hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. And uh, definitely, maybe not, Skoll uh, tweets in. Or no, this is, let me see here. Hold on. This is a long. uh, Vikings fan Skollin is who tweets in. Congrats to Collar on officially becoming a pessimistic Minnesota sports observer. <laughs> He's now one of us. So, so here, here is my my potential worst case that could could happen early to this team as well. Too coming off a thirteen win season in which things went really well and a lot went right, and that's a credit to you in some ways as well. Though ordinarily you don't come back and have things go as as well for you. Mm-hmm. How do the Vikings' key advers- adversity handlers? handle adversity because we've seen zim before and he can get very prickly and now so if zim, if zim is one i consider a pretty close two when it comes to potentially having to handle adverse conditions to be your quarterback kirk Cousins seems to me to be a, a very rehearsed guy in life uh he also seems to like to be the underdog in life so you know Let's say within the first month or so or three games, he has a bad game here, and people say, Kirk, 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 hold on a second. You're signed to this three-year guaranteed contract. Buddy boy, we expect a lot more here. Very curious to see how he would respond to that because he can't come back with, uh, well, I'm overcoming adversity. No, you're not. You're paid a ton of money. So the personality point of this is really interesting because Mike Zimmer last year completely demolished Case Keenum several times in the media. Saying that he had a horseshoe around his neck was the most disrespectful thing. I mean, imagine if another team said that. You'd be if another team said, "Ah, eh, that Keenum, he just got a horseshoe around his neck." You'd be like, "What?" It would be a battle cry, right? You'd yes. be like, you'd be printing that out and putting it around the locker room. But instead, it was your own head coach who said it. Him going off the reservation, which I'm pretty sure is not really something you should say. It's like yeah. mildly was, racist, yeah, yeah, right? Like not uh, politically correct. I think no they question. need to rework that if he's going to use that sort of saying. But like, I mean, he said probably five things about Keenum that if even the media had written, you would have been like, "Oh wow, he really went after Keenum there." And the head coach was saying it. So, and, and this is a, a theme with Zimmer throughout. I mean, what he said about Anthony Barr and his tendency to coach. Yeah. And how about Sharif Floyd, who it wasn't even his fault, but he crushed Sharif Floyd several times for having a bad surgery. I don't I think, mean, who is the Bills coach again? Uh, right now, the, the, the Bills coach last year. Uh, Sean McDermott. Okay, Sean McDermott, yes. When Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in the first yeah, half, he said he Sean played Mc, okay. Yeah, Sean McDermott couched it more than Mike Zimmer in right. a near MVP season it, for right, Case Keenum. In a win against Washington, where he threw for a bunch of touchdowns, right, with Keenum, but he threw the bad interceptions, and then Zimmer couldn't let it go for like four months. Yeah, how is this going to work with Kirk Cousins? 
because that's a different story. With Case Keenum, we were all like, ah, yeah. I mean, the guy's a career backup, so it makes sense. And he'll be gone anyways, probably, right? So whatever. And And Keenum was, I I don't want to say he was okay with it, but he definitely handled it well. He was great about it, yeah. I mean, it it just seemed to slide right off his shoulders. Because what was really interesting about the quarterbacks who had played uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum. Now, Bradford's a little bit of a unique guy, but he and Zimmer actually got to be pretty close by the time they went into last season. And he never said a word about Bradford the whole season. He said, this isn't Bradford's fault. It's the offensive line, and everyone's gotten hurt. And he was right to some extent with that. But with uh, Keenum and Bridgewater and Bradford, they all seemed to get along really well with Zimmer overall. They took his criticisms really well, and especially Keenum uh, last year. I mean, the, the fact that he let it all slide off, the fact that he was never really bothered by the expectations as they went along, or that Bridgewater was right there and they could bench him at any time, it just never seemed to be an issue. And I've, Keenum was not an ego guy. And I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater was either. And where with Cousins, even the way he handled the situation in Washington throughout, seemed to rub some people the wrong way. And Washington is a truck fire of an organization, so there's that too. So it's probably on both sides. But he's a different kind of guy than Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, or even Sam Bradford. And he hasn't seen it yet from Zimmer. He hasn't seen he throws a bad pick and then Zimmer destroys him after a game. Yeah, and he has not had that. And it's going to happen. Like He's going to throw six bad interceptions and a few crucial interceptions that might be partially his fault, and he's going to hear about it. And this is the same guy who yelled at his own general manager once after he won a game. Yep. So everyone remembers that you like that, but there was another one where... He said something like, how do you like me now? He went to midfield. Yeah, it was on the field. Yeah, Right? That's crazy. I mean, if you think about him, if he's doing that to Mike Zimmer, if there's any sort of headbutting there, this is, this is, we're only talking about how this could turn into them not reaching their expectations. I I have another one. That's one scenario. I have another one, just a thing, since this is sort of therapeutic, right? This is, okay, let's. It's almost like the end of Eight Mile, where if if I say all the things that you would say about me, then I oh. win the rap battle, right? Like you, if we if we are already in full defense of all the things that could happen, it hurts less when these things actually happen. I'm looking through the NFC right now, sixteen teams having trouble finding a lot of weak links. So, Tampa Bay five and eleven last year. Jameis Winston suspended for three games, probably a weak link. Um, Arizona feels like they might be on the way down and Bradford never plays full seasons, but they're well coached. They've got the best running back in the NFL. Maybe they've got a couple of in their prime defensive players like that could be a weak link. Chicago's roster is really good. If Trubisky, there's not many obvious weak links in the NFC. And here's a list of the NFC quarterbacks going into next year. Speaking of lack of weak links, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz at some point if not him, a Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex Smith, Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, Eli Manning, maybe rejuvenated here for a year or two with Pat Shermer, Sam Bradford, and then you get Mitch Trubisky and uh, and Jameis Winston. And Trubisky might take a step forward because they added a bunch of weapons yes. to that team. And- so just in terms of what you have to do to get to the playoffs in you could be a good team and finish 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 because of the sea of good quarterbacks and at least rock solid teams if not spectacular teams i mean look 
if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything that you ever wanted. You knew this was coming. One moment. Way to go, Mac. I mean, would you capture it? Wow. Or would you just let it slip? Wow. I mean, that's what they're really talking about here. Um, I thought you'd be an the, end of eight mile guy. The, I really uh, did. I thought you'd. I thought you'd appreciate. I mean, it. I've seen it. I'm. I'm not a huge Eminem fan. Um, I think he had a couple of good songs, and then you like Marshall. Really, He's not a B Rabbit guy. Really, you don't like Marshall. Not a B Rabbit um, guy. Dave, you're an end of eight mile guy, aren't you? Oh, how could you not be? It's ten of the best minutes in the cinematic history. I've never seen it. That's a. That's a little much. <sighs> wow. What? I've never seen Eight Mile. It's I okay. know about it, but I've never seen the it. first. Okay. The first hour it's and a okay. half of the movie it's don't like matter. We can tell you. We can tell you. We can tell you the plot. Well, I know what happens up to the, the final now, rap battle. Points out his flaws, and he wins the rap battle because he points out his flaws. It's like you and I are going to have a rap battle, right? And the goal of a rap battle is to tell your opponent why the opponent is a terrible person and has all these things wrong in their lives. But Eminem gets up there and gives his own. No, and B just Rabbit gets up. B Rabbit and disses himself for a minute. And the other oh, guy didn't know what to rap did, about, did so he that, won the battle. End. If the Vikings got, got up and gave their flaws, it would take three days. The opponent would fall asleep. And then in 98, yeah. <laughs> Gary Anderson. Uh, you wouldn't believe who they drafted in 2011. Oh, oh, oh we're not Christian done yet. Ponder. Like, we're not and then done he yet. marries Sam Ponder. The NFC Championship game at Giant Stadium. Got, this rap battle's been over for four days. Still <laughs> exactly. talking. Hey, Vikings, we've gone home. Um, to, your, to your point about the schedule and the opponents, though, that's what really makes this season so interesting that they could end up going 9-7 and seven and slipping into the playoffs and have a stronger overall team than last year, just based on who they're playing. Last year, to have two wins against the Green Bay Packers in which Aaron Rodgers did not play is just not going to happen again. You're going to have to beat Rodgers at least one of the two times, but you're probably going to lose one to him, just realistically speaking. Even if they're still a flawed team in some ways, it's Aaron Rodgers. You're usually splitting in the best-case scenario with them. And then all the other quarterbacks they have to face, it's a lot different to have to face Tom Brady this time around as opposed to Andy Dalton yeah. for the quarterback from uh, out of division. You know, And I, I could see this going... Uh, having a lot of ups and downs and a lot of rocky moments, like in Eight Mile, you know, when there's that guy who's like with his mom and the guy's disrespecting him, he throws the beer bottle at him. There's going to be those moments. See, you know what I'm talking about. That's I've right. seen the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. Hey, I agree with the movie being okay. The last ten minutes, cinematic history. You know the the thing cinematic that, history. The thing oh, God, that annoyed me. About that yeah, you movie. can't speak. You've never seen. The I don't care. Minutes. It's not cinematic history. Eminem was getting Tower Oscar, Oscar buzz when that thing first came Oscar out. Buzz. He um oh. he kept saying like oh, Oscar's not with these. It's not a biopic. It's not a biopic. You're like really? Then what is this? Like and what you're playing you in Detroit rapper in Detroit, <laughs> in Detroit across yeah. the train tracks. <laughs> Somebody else, okay? It's another rapper. It's uh, it's vanilla it's ice. It's vanilla, vanilla ice. Oh, no, no, no. This is about Robert Rabbit, <laughs> aka B Rabbit. <laughs> Come on. This is a biopic, man. Oh. Uh, uh, Drew tweets in the best part of Mackie. It's no Roadhouse. The best part Nothing about Mackie, Judd, and Collar is how well they know their audience spending an entire segment, actually an, an entire half hour, on what might slash likely <laughs> will go wrong for the Vikings. Yes, that's right. We are here to uh, help you cope with eventual this is traumatic a, events. This is a Point Break show. Everyone knows that. It's yeah, Point Break, yeah. Roadhouse, then we can go with yes. uh, 8 Mile. How about that? We're going to show this to you. We're going to put it on the list. Derek Wetmore needs to watch Major League. Judd yeah. needs to watch Bond movies and the end of 8 Mile. 
We'll find some stuff. Have you for never Colin. seen a Bond movie? Like not a single I've never one? seen one. I've oh. seen parts on cable, but I've I've never yeah. sat down and watched one start That's to finish. That's impossible. We start with From Russia from Love. Or from Russia with love. Mm-hmm. That's a top five bomb that movie. Is, and chronologically, it makes sense. We'll start. Yeah. For me. Where can I stop? How quickly can I stop? What do you, you mean? Know, How many do I have? The to reason see? that it's kept like, going for so see. long is that they've had good ones in every era, mm-hmm. right? It, it, like, it, there wasn't a point where it was like, oh, it got bad. You just can't watch it. Like, you, they some, had people some, would say, some people would say that the end of certain eras got bad. Like, the, the end of the Pierce Brosnan, it just turned into like, Eight invisible cars, yeah. and it gets super yeah. hokey. And then Roger Moore, after about seven yep. Bond movies, or six or seven, it, it kind of wore on people. And he was like 60 years old by the end of it and still. But Daniel Craig had like two home runs. I think he mm-hmm. had two of the maybe even top five. Um, it, and it's been 2006 is when Casino Royale came out. Yeah. And, and the next one doesn't come out until I think 2019. There have only been like four Vikings disasters since then. It's true. I love how uncomfortable Judd Only gets with four. these. He just sits no, there. I'm, no, I'm interested. I don't know. I can't weigh in. I've never seen any Bond films. But Skyfall, I rewatched Skyfall the other day. And, man, good. I mean, that one holds up. That's a good one. Uh, that's the Javier Bardem yes. one, right? Oh, yeah. my gosh. And his, where, he, where he uses radio as the high-tech technology yes. to uh, bring in back. Yeah, it might have been AM radio. Wow, that's yeah. uh, quite the feat. He sent a hot sports takeout to the CIA. You say, is that still around, or is it just all podcasts now? Mostly podcasts, yep. <laughs> Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us when we come back? Really, really good ones, Phil. Really good ones. All right, bye, Matthew. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Dripping in sex appeal. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right. Let's dive into some questions here. Dave Harrigan always brings three hard-hitting questions to the show. And let's start right with it. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Judd brought up the point earlier in the show as we were talking about the Timberwolves and the guys they're bringing in that this might be a grittier bunch than the Minnesota Wild is gritty playing in a sport that you need grit to get greasy goals. So... Let's rank them. Minnesota sports teams. You can take the big four. You can add on Lynx, Gophers, whatever you want. As many as you want to go, rank them from least to most gritty. The grit rankings. Wow. The grit rankings. I love this. All right. Of course you do. I'm going to give you five. So we'll start. So five, And I'm not, I guess we could include the Gophers. But I do five, I mean, two. No, no Gophers. There. Yeah. I mean, we could do include Gophers, but they wouldn't be in my five. Five's good. Anywhere. I agree with you. Okay. So now, so now Grit. All right. I'll just rank them this way. Number five. We don't have a sounder for number five. Um, number five is wild. That's <laughs> <laughs> so sad. It's wild. They're, they're, they're soft. They got in Zach. The, but even he can't stay on the ice anymore. But he's gritty. And Suter can't stay on the ice, breaks his leg. He's not gritty, though, to, to begin with. He's really If he good, was gritty, he would have played with a broken leg. And they would have won that playoff series. Have you seen him at Quick Trip? <laughs> Maybe scale back on the four-day-old egg salad sandwiches. <laughs> My family loves it when I stop anyway. at Quick Trip on, on the way home, despite the fact that I'm paid ninety million over thirteen years. Four. <laughs> uh, number four, twins. Um, they feel a little grittier, just because like Dozier's kind of gritty, and Ed Rosario is 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 very gritty. They get dirty. Um, I agree. Yeah, they're they've got some hard-nosed, tough players, but. 
I don't know. They're they're grittier than the wild, tell you that much. Number three. <laughs> Number three with Anthony Tolliver and Jimmy Butler. And uh, and, and we're going to see grittier Carl Anthony Towns this year. And Taj Gibson's gritty. And I don't know why people think Derrick Rose is gritty. He's not really gritty at all, actually. He doesn't he looks play it, a ton though. of defense. He looks like he why? would be. I don't know. Just he's that gritty because he got injured look, a couple times? Because he looks like he's 90. He looks like he'd be gritty. That's why they think that. And the coach is gritty. Tom Thibodeau is a gritty guy. So I'm going to put the Something. the Wolves number three on that list. Number two. Number two, Vikings. Hard-nosed defensive style of winning football games. And uh, they've got a couple receivers who can take big hits and can do utility receivers who are stars. And number one. Number one. You can't win four NBA or WNBA championships in the span of seven years with just flash and just talent. You gotta have to have a level of defensive grittiness. So the Lynx are the grittiest team in town. Maybe not as much this year, but like when it matters, they're the grittiest team in town. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Number one Veteran grit. Number two yep. Vikings and then number three Wolves. And the Wild are fifth on my list. Are you doing five? I'll do five. Okay. Number five. Wild as well. The wild. It's it's a faux it's a faux grit. It's a it's a it's a we're gritty until we're supposed to be, and then we're just morons who get bounced from the playoffs in the first round. You're not gritty. Show me something. Number four. I'm actually gonna put the wolves here because I feel like it's a faux grit. Because your defense can't be as bad as their de- defense was, and you actually have grit. I think Tibbs wants to act like we got grit. We play this tough style. But when you play defense as pathetically as they did for most of the past year, I don't think that you're uh, you're not nearly as gritty as you want to be or think you are. So they're number four. One, two. Number three. This is not an insult, but I think it's the Vikings because they, they have some grit, but they also have have some flat out just flash because they've got star players. So so when I think of grit, I think of you, you have to play a certain style and be willing to get dirty, which the Vikings are. But they've got some star players too, and those guys don't necessarily have to live off of grit because they can live off of talent. Number two, the Twins because they're gritty and they get dirty and they're sort of pig penish like in a pathetic sort of way now. <laughs> I mean, they try, and I, I honest to God, they... Pig, penish, and gritty well, I mean, don't have to be at, the same thing. Just look at there, but just look. I mean, they try, but they've just got so many things that have gone wrong, and they've got so many players that right now are busts, and I think they want to be gritty. I think they have good intentions, and they just stink every other year. And that's why they're the second grittiest give, team I in give town? Them grit. They got grit. They got grit. The Vikings got more talent. That's why the Vikings are three and the Twins are two. My Number definition. One. It's the Lynx. It's the Lynx because they've got veteran savvy. They can play. They can play great defensively when when they elect to, which is which is at times. Now they confuse me though. The Lynx confuse me because they got off to that bad start. They had that training camp again, right? Let's go back for a week. We're off and have yep. a training camp. Three day camp. Seven. I, and if I'm not mistaken, they then come back and win seven consecutive games after that. Yeah. And then last night they go and get wa- or uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night they go and get waxed. They're confusing me a bit, but I would put them atop the they list. They got waxed by a team that won their second game of the year. Yeah, so what's going on with this club? I think they're just, I think sometimes you just get bored with the regular season, and that's, oh, we won seven games in a row, now we play a crappy team, and they fell asleep again. If the playoffs started tomorrow, mm-hmm. you'd see the same team that won seven in a row. All right. I don't know if they're going to win the championship. Star Tribune called them Jekyll and Hyde. That's all I know. They'll have a good one tonight. L.A. Sparks in town. Oh, championship match. series rematch in the last two years. Let's go. All right. Let's do this. 
Question number two. Uh, NBA, off the court, on the court, I think one word you would absolutely use to describe the association right now is drama. Mm -hmm. Drama is the word, and that's what they have in spades in the National Basketball Association. We talked, I think it was last week, maybe early this week, about how they absolutely rule when it comes to the the big four sports leagues. Mm -hmm. They rule when it comes to social media. Yes, NBA off the charts compared to what the uh, the other leagues are and what the other leagues can do as far as the leagues themselves and the players. So answer me this question: It's and, chicken or the egg? And speak of the devil here, here is a ESPN advertising five consecutive summer league games tomorrow at MGM Resorts. You can watch summer league from two thirty until ten thirty. What's that going to be? Two hours? You could literally watch eight hours of summer league games, and they're going to. And they're going to do good ratings and pack the arena. Wow. That's where the NBA is at right now. Thank you. Yeah. There was a photo a few days ago from the Sacramento Kings Summer League game that they held in their home arena against the Lakers Summer League team. And it was full. I saw it. (laughs) I saw it. I saw that photo. Sacramento Kings fans all in. And regular season baseball can't drop. Yeah. Here you go. Go Chicken or the egg. What came first? NBA drama led to the dominance of social media. Or the advent of social media and the uptick of social media led to more, I guess, more drama mm. or just more knowledge oh. of the drama in the league? I would say it's definitely uh, door number two. I think that you, you had players who were, who were coming of age as Twitter and Instagram came into being, and and they started to use it and a guy like lebron lebron loves it he loves drama i mean there's Except no the there's no way yeah exactly but there's no way that you can't t- tell me that that the best player in the league right now and and one of the best players of all time he loves it so i think it became i i think it's the second one i think you had these players uh who were who were brought up and c- coming of age when things like twitter and facebook and instagram got big and it's led to this and as we've talked about before, if I'm the league, I love this. Well, I think I think players being willing to go play wherever and form super teams is the is the core of it. And, and, and whether you credit LeBron James with that from eight years ago, or maybe you go back further and credit like Kevin Garnett for going to Boston. So if if that wasn't happening, social media would still like be fun to follow the NBA. But if that type of stuff and player movement wasn't wasn't possible and happening. There wouldn't be because because the NFL could have the same level of buzz if Aaron Rodgers every other year was like, I'm just going to sign one year contracts with the Packers and make myself available to go play for the Buccaneers or the new Vegas team uh, when Oakland moves to Vegas. So I think it's more player driven than social media driven. But then when you add the social media layer to it and it's just it becomes more speculative and information goes from point A to point Z instantly instead of a 24 hour news cycle. So it's the perfect combination of players willing to make big headlines and then headlines and speculation about headlines just refreshing every five seconds on Twitter and all the woges and the and the windies of the world just Put a woge drumming things up and then getting mad at the like Wendy gets mad every day at the redistributors of news for misinterpreting his speculation. Oh, the, on aggregators? Yeah. the aggregators, yeah. yeah. I love that one. <laughs> Uh, should we do question three next? Sure. Okay. All right. Expanded questions when we come back. Mackie and Judd. Now back to Mackie and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. This is going to be my happy place. On 1500 ESPN. 
Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul. It's happening Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. All right, let's get to expanded questions here. Question number three from Dave. We open the collar segment, or segments, I should say, talking about how he's now two years in this state and he's becoming a Minnesotan. He's mm-hmm. embracing that inner Minnesotan that perhaps always lived there. He's understanding passive aggressiveness, maybe a little sarcasm. Yeah. I want to know about you guys. Phil, you've lived here your entire life. Judd, basically. Aside from a couple years in L.A., SoCal, Judd. You are an L.A. guy. Baltimore, too. Born in Hollywood. Oh, that's right. In Hollywood, Baltimore. boys, right? In the belly of the beast. Man. Hollywood, you California. Oh, you no look No question it. about it. Yeah. You're the most Hollywood of anyone at 1500, <laughs> for sure. Perhaps you should start calling me that as a nickname. <laughs> Call me Hollywood from now on. Just refer to me Although as Although there is one. Can you guys name the 1500 ESPN employee who wears sunglasses all the way from, instead of taking sunglasses off when you walk into a building, which is what normal people do, this person wears sunglasses up until, like, oh, getting I, to I their area and still has them on long after you should have taken them off. Pretty it's sure. Reavers, right? Reavers. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Baseball coach Reavers. Oh, my hands are full. Can't take yeah. them off. No, they're not. Yeah. You got a back. Sweet shades, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I still wear them? I didn't even know. Didn't even know. <laughs> All right, my question to you boys is, since you've been here either your whole life or basically your whole life, the one Minnesota attribute or whatever you want to call it that you absolutely embrace, that you are a part of, that is a part of you, and the one thing that's typically Minnesotan that, yeah, it's not so much you. Is it my, is, am I up first? For, I'll yeah. go first because I think yours, your answer is probably going to be better than mine in general. Um, I, there's probably a lot of things just having been for three plus decades that I am uh, very Minnesotan in, I will say, I will say, uh, passive aggressive driving sometimes, or like sort like Minnesota road rage, not kill someone with a bat road rage, but Minnesota road rage where sometimes I'll drive, I'll drive up and like give the hand out the window but won't make eye contact. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you doing? Look at but, my but hand. I, but I don't want to like make eye contact because I don't yeah. want the confrontation to continue. Sure. Or, uh, or I'll give like a little mini tap of the horn. So there's like little passive-aggressive tendencies that I have all over the place. But the one, the one thing that I'm absolutely not Minnesotan in at all, outdoor winter activities. I don't have any. I don't skate. I haven't skated in 20 years. You don't have a cabin. Uh, don't have a cabin. To go up to, yeah. I enjoy going to other people's cabins. Would at some point consider a cabin, but don't have a cabin. I don't ski. I don't snowboard. Have I, you ever done any of those, skiing or snowboarding? I've done all of these things, but I don't actively partake in any of them. Sure. I mean, if you put me on a snowboard right now, like I would know how to put a snowboard on, but I wouldn't, I'd have to pick myself up, you know, going down a half pipe or something. So. Do we like? Do you even go? Like, do you even use a half pipe when you go recreational snowboarding? I don't know because I don't snowboard. Doing, yeah. I'm not sure. Not a, not an outdoor winter. <laughs> Depends guy. on what you're talking about, right? Ice there. fishing sounds miserable to me. I've done it maybe five times, and every time I'm thinking this is really cold. I'd just rather be inside. Five more times than me. Yeah. So I'm They're outdoor winter now, activities. I am 
as far away from Minnesotan as you can possibly be. All right, my top one that I embrace, and Dave said this as well uh, before we came back from break, and it's absolutely true of me, is I don't want to talk to people. But I will take that and say, I don't want to talk to people, but I have long ago perfected the fake high. How you doing? Perfected? Yeah, I, I'm. I've perfected the. I don't want to talk <laughs> to you. I think you utilize the fake high. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> talk to you. But I'll give you, you the know, people can Minnesota that. fake. Hey, how are you? What's going on today? But if your goal is to make it seem like you are interested, but you're really not, it's people a gloss know over. that you're not it's a interested. Gloss over. No, no, no. I think they think Judd's a very nice guy. Oh, I'm sure. Let's. I think those that don't know me that well think, oh, Judd seems like a very pleasant fellow. Yeah, the people that you've given the drive-by hi to for six years. Hey, how are you? What's I think going they're on aware today? that you don't care. But about I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them, and in fact, I don't want an answer. Like fine, I want fine. Nothing more than fine. <laughs> if I am forced to talk to you, I want you. I want to say, how are you today? It's a gorgeous day, right? Absolutely. That's but, it. But avoid connection at but avoid, any, any cost. Avoid all connection, and you are not coming to my house. How do you get new friends? Like, how do you do? You have any? Do you have any desire you, to make new aware, friends? Are you aware of the, the list of, of my new friends? Because if you are, I'd like to see that list. <laughs> I'm like, do you have any interest in the no. next 10 years of adding a new friend to your life? Unless I really like them. But how would you know if you really like them if you don't connect with them? Booze. Bunnies, possibly. <laughs> I had a nice chat with a guy a couple uh, on uh, fr- Friday of l- last week at the bar. Came up to me, said, I like the show. We talked for a long time. Really nice guy. They just recognized you He could be my friend. About? Yeah. But... For the most part, I just don't care. I assumed you. it was kind of like a matchmaking service. It just happens to be the bartender at Bunny's. Judd, I know you don't like people, but this guy's really into this thing. He's a good guy. You know, big replacements fan over here. Yeah. I think you guys might hit it off. It's like, it, it's, it, like it's just lunch for guys it, like Judd. Is it worth trying <laughs> to figure out ounces. if you like what I like for us to become friends and I'm 48? The answer is probably no. So if it's going to cost me a friendship, you know what? That's just too bad. I got enough friends. When's the last? I got enough close like, friends. How old were you the last time you cultivated a good friend? Like a friend that you would hang out with? Like for life? Yeah, like a friend that you would hit up for beers. How old were you the last time you I'm cultivated now, a friend? Probably 30-ish. Okay. Probably 18 years. That's pretty good. 20 years. That's, a, that's, that's stubborn. <laughs> that's good to know lot. he doesn't get us friends. The other thing, friends, though, <laughs> the thing I don't like, I am this passive-aggressive, because if I go out east... I become a raging, raging, you know what? No, I don't know. In what. Boston yeah, or New York, at people? I am very willing to be a really, really big jerk. Agro Judd? Yes, but here I can't help it because you're also passive aggressive. I fall into the same trap. <laughs> I don't like passive aggressive at all, despite the fact that when I'm here, I'm passive aggressive. And that's it for me for today. Oh, man. I just gave all of myself. <laughs> my We're going to go try and find you a friend in the hallway. I don't here. want any friends. Jay Coles is coming up. You want to be friends with him? No, it's okay. <laughs>